2: I think like the holding strategy is if i have an nft that gets me access to all of lebron's practices for the rest of his career and after seven of those practices i'm like whoo, that was fun okay i don't have sundays free anymore let me go ahead and sell this like the use is clear it's clear it's not like how long should i hold my board ape have i missed the top um someone made me an offer, I need liquidity, like all of these other decisions that you make um, that you can get caught up in, in, in terms of like the strategy of buying those particular assets, I think that can you actually use? what it is that you're buying into if you can use it then your gut your instinct will tell you when it doesn't have a use for you anymore if you go into this investment without that sort of gut clarity then it's i don't think it's gonna appear halfway through you holding it
0: i'm will lucas and this is black tech green money I'm going to introduce you to some of the biggest names, some of the brightest minds and brilliant ideas. If you're black in building or simply using tech to secure your bag, this podcast is for you. Ashley Keynes is a self-taught crypto trader and web 3.0 enthusiast. She uses her passion for educating and mentoring black women about crypto, blockchain technology and the value of dials to lead Blavity's presence and projects in the crypto space. We've had a lot of conversations on this podcast about NFTs, the blockchain, and more. So I asked asked Ashley to give us a 101 of how DAOs, Decentralized Autonomous Organizations, work and what they may mean for how we govern ourselves in the future.
2: Sure, so just to break down the acronym itself. So it stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, right? So if we take the decentralized part, that part, um boils down to votes in most cases um there are widgets or build-ins that are put into either the telegram the discord wherever the community gathers um, and large decisions are made by vote and so that's the decentralized part of it there is typically a governance team who oversees the decisions that go to a vote, what decisions are we voting on, who sort of determines the North Star and sets the vision, but the implementation um, and the buy-in for that vision is done in a decentralized way. So that's the first word. Autonomous um, means, and this comes up when I think about like potentially having an Afrotech DAO Um, or DAOs that are linked to larger corporations or other entities, like they are, DAOs by definition are intended to be autonomous and to be um, free of any sort of larger agenda than the one that is set forth by the governing body and the voting people that fill out the D part of that acronym, right? The decentralized part. And then the last word is organization. So like, how do you organize? What are you organized around? Um, what's the goal where do you meet whether it's telegram whether it's discord however you all come together i'm in a basketball DAO. once a month we um, get together i don't play basketball but i cheerlead from the sideline but once a month we get together in person um, and there's this aspect that takes it offline. So it is still very human. So, yeah, I mean, that to me at its simplest form is really what a DAO is. It doesn't work the same when you try to break down like NFT in that acronym. I think it confuses people more. But DAO does the job of like really explaining what it is in the name.
0: How do you imagine, you know, reasonably within our lifetimes, DAOs having the most significant impact on how we live or work?
2: I think that um, the collective power, the collective financial power, so you don't necessarily need a coin to have a DAO. Not all DAOs have their own treasury and coins that they launch, but many do. Um, and when they do, it's that pooled financial power that I see being the greatest instrument going forward. Um, there are real estate DAOs, there's a DAO now to like buy football teams, basketball teams. Um, there's one to buy the constitution. So I think um, even NFTs, board apes, things that people couldn't buy as individuals but can now sort of own and buy into as a collective. I think that's really their greatest power moving forward.
0: So, how much of this has to do with how much of a particular coin or vote I earn? Like, how in, in most cases would you say that DAOs are, you know, somebody has a vote via the token that they own in the DAO?
2: I can't speak to most cases, um, but I will say, in my own experience, there hasn't been a weighted vote where your vote is a proportion to your ownership. I think um, the ethos of DAOs and just Web3 in general is less about how much you own the money that you put up necessarily and how much you're actively giving to the community. So you could be in a DAO and see that there are 100 members and you see the same 15, 18, 20 people speaking up in the chat and then within that group of 20 people, there are five people who are organizing in-person events or doing some other aspect. There are definitely levels to contribution And so um, those benefits are given to the people who contribute the most, not necessarily to the people who have bought in at the highest price point.
0: And so where I earn whatever that participatory reward is, how does that get created in the DAO? So what am I earning that says, okay, Will Lucas, we can see is contributing more. Therefore he is, you know, has a higher profile in this, in this organization.
2: Sure. So I think that, is a backdoor conversation into DAOs becoming sort of the workforce of the future, because right now I'm working on within my DAO, um, we're working on badges and missions, much like video games where like sharing on social media um, is a particular mission for which you own a badge and badges come with a value of coin. Like if you earn the so-and-so badge, you get, 1000 of our coin, or you get 10 more of our coin. So there's a literal incentivization of if you do X, Y, and Z on behalf of the community, the community's treasury rewards you with more coins. Um, I'm not sure that that is how every DAO is structured, but it's definitely um, a model that's becoming popular because these are still organizations in the sense that like even nonprofit, too, they have people that actually run it and they do the work, um, even though they're working on behalf of other people.
3: State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth
0: Yeah, and I was going to ask you about nonprofits, and we'll talk more about that in a second. So let's put a bookmark there. So the ones that you talk, you just mentioned, you know, for those who are people who are contributing more, and then they get the, these badges. You know, we're very familiar with badges, if, especially if you play video games. Um, right. So when you get those badges and they're, you know, their coins in respect, what what do you what can you apply those to? Can I, you know, can I buy something offline with that coin? Like, what can I do with my sure. coins?
2: It's up to the individual, um, to the question of whether or not you can buy actual things in real life with them. Absolutely. The procedure for that is you flip it from its coin back into Ether, back into USDC, USDT, or just, you know, money, Um, cash as we know it. However, if you believe in the organization that you're doing all of these hours for, that you're doing all of these work this work for you almost don't want to cash those coins out because you're it's free money I mean you might get um, when I get a a particular badge that coin might be worth five dollars a coin but I believe by the end of the year it's going to be worth 11 dollars a coin and I didn't have to pay anything to get it so uh, it depends on your personal strategy I think that there are definitely two different schools of thought as communities start to really think about whether or not they want to do this, because there are the people who are absolutely like, yes, this is the future of work. And depending on how many hours you put into this, you can make $2,000, $3,000 a month working on behalf of the DAO. And then there's another school of thought that's like, absolutely no one should be living off of their participation in this DAO. This is... um, as close to, I don't want to say nonprofit, but as close to um, just fun or on behalf of the community as possible. It's cool if you can make a few extra dollars, but we definitely shouldn't be setting it up so that people are doing 40 hours a week of missions and badges and coming home with a full-time salary.
0: You mentioned something with regards to the Transition that currency, like you know, exchanging it for ether or whatever. What right. determines the value of let's say if you created a dial today, what is right. determining the value of its exchange to Ethereum or other things?
2: Sure. So when a coin is first launched, um it can be, I say it can be because it this isn't a hundred percent of cases, but you mint the down mints their coin they say we want to mint a million of afrotech coin we'll say um, and we're going to sell them the initial price will be a dollar fifty per coin that dollar fifty is arbitrary that was set by the original creators of uh the coin and of the doubt Then that graduates to what's called an AMM, which stands for an automated market maker. For example, Uniswap is an AMM. Um, Once the treasury of a particular DAO releases some of its coins to an AMM, it's pure supply and demand that determines the value of that coin getting from a dollar fifty to three dollars to six dollars to twenty-five dollars. That's not something where the leadership or governance of a particular DAO sits down and says, okay, now it's time to tick it up a notch. Um, I think what does happen consciously is that they start to notice that the demand is increasing, and now it's time to push it to an AMM so that we can make sure we're maximizing the amount of people that are interested in getting in the value that people are seeing in this coin and letting it fly and let the open market determine what it will be worth. But the initial amount is arbitrary, and then once you move to an AMM, it's it's people who want to buy in that are really setting that up. Now, when you consider the question from the state of what makes someone believe that they want to pay $7 for something that used to be worth $1.50 that can be really any number of things if you see the Community getting more popular and like cloud cloud is a big one, um, I think. To me, that's one of the like magical aspects of DAOs is that you really can sort of quantify clout in this sense because just off of the popularity of a DAO, its coin can 10x in a matter of weeks or months. Um, but its assets are another the mission. Um yeah, I mean there are a number of factors that will increased what people believe to be the value of this community and it's corresponding coin, but yeah, definitely AMMs.
0: Yeah. And so what, what drives the demand of a DAO? So when you you think about, is it influencers? Is it it the same sort of marketing thing that happens in every other, you know, in the digital age, is it just influencers got in? So now everybody wants to be a part of this thing. So that drives the demand and therefore the value of those tokens
2: yes and no um the utility is really what ought to be driving it um and some DAOs are made popular by their utility by having a mission that that's clear it's clearly defined people can get behind it um and then in other cases it is hype and it's a utility from december to july to the next december has not changed but people's desire to be associated with the brand has increased um and they may have thrown one hot party in august or something or they i mean people also um people being the governance of DAOs, they make strategic moves that also help increase the value of a coin in the short term, like token-gated events. Um, I remember during Art Basel here in Miami, one of the larger DAOs, friends with benefits, through a party um, and they had Erica Badu DJing and it was just sort of like a star-studded event and it was five coins to get in. That was sort of like the gatekeeping keeping. Uh, threshold to get into this party and at the time the coin was worth a hundred dollars so it cost five hundred dollars to get into um this particular party and people wanting to go to the party took it from 70 to 90 to 100 and the party's over um and now it, it's probably sitting around 60 right now
0: who should be thinking about creating dials? like we mentioned nonprofits. um what types of organizations and we're going to talk about the future work, but what types of organizations, startups, um, collectives should be thinking about DAOs?
2: I think in some sense, everyone should be thinking about organizing around, um, a mission that they believe in and they think that will attract other people to organize around. But I, I, And being vague and answering that, because I read a tweet the other day that I found really true, which is just sort of like it's more lucrative to hold a portion of a treasury of a new DAO than it is to be a member of a pre-existing DAO. So if you're making a money play, if you're trying to not necessarily get rich quick, but you want to be a whale of a particular coin or accumulate, reap the benefit of those coins going 10x or 5x or whatever they're doing you're not necessarily going to put all of your time and energy into someone else's DAO that may have the exact same mission as you it's more lucrative for you to go start your own and i think that that's really a kink to be worked out in this entire process and why it's part of the ethos that people shouldn't like be making money plays in the space in general because when you just keep it purely at organizing around a mission that we all believe in and collectively feel like we can get there faster, better, stronger together, then everyone should think with consider a DAO whether or not they're considering starting a DAO, if that makes sense.
5: So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. How do you think about how the
0: Internet of Things may impact our dial participation our punishment or reward in a dial. um will our devices betray us so if i think about if car insurance you know the rate i get it may depend on how fast i go being you know determined by some bot or system in my vehicle telling the insurance company um how will the internet of things impact our relationship with um, organizations that we may deal with
2: i think that in general um society is moving in a direction of, in my opinion, overly quantifying um, any number of things, like from wearing Fitbits to sleep that tell you how many minutes you slept well or got deep sleep or whatever. And so I think that DAOs can also either be helped or fall prey to this over quantifying of contribution, overvaluing the people who spoke up five times in a day, even though absolutely nothing that they had to add to the conversation was substantive or move the conversation forward. But the contribution itself was greater than um, in quantity than someone else's one really, really thought provoking statement this month. And then you know they dipped out, they had other stuff to do. So I don't think that the system of reward, um, whether it's reward in coin or rewarded with a leadership position or um, whatever you see your personal reward is for having gotten into this DAO. I don't think that, um, I think the internet of things, as you say, will sort of push that towards a system where we need to really be mindful of our individual North Stars in the space. Like what are we here to accomplish and what what does success mean to the individual and to the organization so that we're not just a stat sheet of this many members, this many people did this, we have this many hours of contribution, this many people joining the conversation, 77% of blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but. What do you do? What impact do you have?
0: I love that. It's a great segue into this this question, because I was thinking about um, a conversation I had on this podcast about NFTs and why, which I this is a strategy I've adjusted, and this speaks to what you just said. I did not believe personally in investing in centralized, editable metadata NFTs where it, was, it may be stored on somebody's AWS somewhere so that it was not on the blockchain, not on IPFS. And I sort of had to readjust my thinking because if I'm preaching, you know, get to know the engineering team, building it, get to know the founders, get to know the organization, maybe it doesn't have to last forever, but does it have to last forever? Right. And so I wanted to get your idea on, you know, thinking about these things, centralized versus decentralized, particularly around NFTs. And what are your thoughts on holding strategy with me saying that?
2: So I was what I'll call late to NFTs, probably in the last couple of months. I've been researching them for over a year, um, but sort of aped in in the last couple of months. And I had similar reservations and just not really understanding um the money play was number one in terms of like holding what what am i really getting in for what is the move here um i think not to sidestep your question but really the answer my answer to your question is always to tell people that i am bullish on experiential nfts and i think in that sense like the holding strategy is if i have an nft that gets me access to all of lebron's practices for the rest of his career and after seven of those practices i'm like whoo, that was fun okay i don't have sundays free anymore let me go ahead and sell this like yeah the use is clear it's clear it's not like how long should i hold my board ape have i missed the top. Um, Someone made me an offer, I need liquidity, like all of these other decisions that you make, um, that you can get caught up in, in, in terms of like the strategy of buying those particular assets, I think that can you actually use what it is that you're buying into. If you can use it, then your gut, your instinct will tell you when it doesn't have a use for you anymore. If you go into this investment without that sort of gut clarity, then it's, I don't think it's going to appear halfway through you holding it.
0: Are there DAOs that we've been exposed to and we just you know, having kind of connect the dots that we've been, you know, engaging with a decentralized autonomous organization. And the reason I ask is this, you know, when we have the conversation on this podcast about like NFTs, like we've been familiar with NFTs, like non-fungibility for some time, like our, you know, your your birth certificate, that's a non-fungible asset. So when we put it on the blockchain, now it's a non-fungible token, you know? So, but have we in the same way, been exposed to the concept of a decentralized autonomous organization and now we're just starting to see blockchain implications
2: i think we are used to a number of aspects of it um what we're not used to is um what i'll call the shareholder model of like being bought in and then also as it becomes more popular as its assets become more uh useful or however the case may be like we also go up in value um being able to sort of move up in a non-political space workplaces have plenty of politics um the upside of being in an overly quantified environment of like hours of contribution and missions and badges completed is that you're it's free of those things so yes it takes a lot of what we're used to um and it matches it with things that we're not necessarily used to um and the blockchain itself like having this open record this lack of ambiguity of really being able to say like what transaction happened on what day by what user xyz like even that transparency um is an aspect that we're not necessarily used to so when you put those things all together i think they're incredibly powerful and new um, but the barrier of entry shouldn't be so high, because to your point, yes, there are many, many aspects of DAOs that we're already performing.
0: There was a quote I read, um, and I think it was from Andries and Horowitz, where they were talking about the future of work and DAOs. And this particular paragraph struck me, and it said, the traditional way to make money was to work to earn. But the future of income is to X to earn, play to earn, learn to earn, create to to earn. Um, and work to earn. And so when you think about um, what it may mean for employment, you already have like the gig economy, influencers, YouTubers who are making money. Um, Do we expect in our lifetimes or, you know, reasonably in the next, I shouldn't say our lifetimes, but the next 10 to 15 years that we may see large corporations um, dissolve or be created in the DAO respect, based on these sort of um, inputs, these workers, these people producing the value?
2: I believe more that we will see DAOs rise to the size of corporations before I believe that we'll see corporations that sort of bow to... Um, the system that DAOs are implementing for the reason of concentration of power. I just really don't see um, corporations giving that up. I'm sure there are plenty of aspects, like a buffet table, they like that DAOs vote. Sure, we can implement voting, like we can do this, but ultimately like members will be holding 10% of the treasury when governance is holding 90% or something like that. Like, I just, I really don't see corporations coming to the ethos of the web three space necessarily. But I do think that DAOs with people power can amass the power and the control over a particular market that corporations now have.
1: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
0: What are some dials we should be paying attention to? Some, some, if if it is, you know, buying into an opportunity, some low cap opportunities to be able to get into. What are some dials that you're excited about that this audience should be should know about to get their feet wet?
2: Well, so shameless plug, I would definitely start with Dow Labs Um, and Dow Labs started, of which I'm a part, Um, Dow Labs started with Miami Tech Runs, um, which really started during Bitcoin week uh, last year in Miami. It was a group of primarily guys who were just like, hey, let's get together, let's play basketball um and also talk about crypto and then they launched a coin and they didn't really see it like getting very big um even though it had like a powerful group behind it i mean these like guys who were saying let's get together and play basketball are working at A16D and they are launching DAOs of their own. Um, So they're pretty big in the space already. And so cut to less than a year later and there are now like four other cities in the works and this umbrella company has sort of been born called DAO Labs that is now pulling in all of Um, these other, they're using the system that made the first DAO so popular and making it replicable across different use cases. And so people are coming to them, us, um, and asking, for DAO labs to launch their particular DAO. So I think that it's going to be a powerhouse of just all of the coolest projects that you see, all of the DAOs that you think are just kind of far flung, like we'll look up one day and they will all be under the umbrella of this sort of like Procter and Gamble of DAOs that is led by a black man, by the way, who is on the DAO uh, panel for Afrotech Exact Miami this week. And actually full disclosure, all of us on that panel are Dow labs um, that just sort of like speaks to the power that it has. Outside of that, um, friends with benefits is a big one, also has a black man founder also on the panel. Um, and friends with benefits has a million use cases. I mean, it's controversial in that now it's very costly to get in. It's sort of the king of the space, the king of the clout DAO. Um, I would say, um, but definitely they've got like chat rooms for investing and just for other aspects for people to really get the community and the support that continues to bring value to those very expensive coins. Um, What else? What other DAOs are there? There are a number of real estate DAOs and I'm really sad that I'm blanking on the name of a good one right now, but that are like pooling assets to buy property together. I think that is really cool. They're all sort of pulling it off in their own way. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are so many DAOs popping up. You can type in like chocolate chip cookie DAO and you'll find something. there's <laughs> Everyone is starting something. Um, not all of them will last. But you know what? There have been some great models. I would say the Constitution DAO is a great model of one that did not last, but was still ultimately beneficial for everyone who bought in.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad you, you you just touched on something that didn't last because I was going to ask, is this sort of like an NFT where I need to, before I you know dive into something, before I ape into an NFT, I need to know, Hey, who's behind this thing? Like who built this thing? Like who's, where is it? St- all these things. Like what should I understand before I ape into a DAO?
2: Yeah, I think so to go back to the DAO Labs example, I think that's what makes them powerful, right? Because one, say Miami tech runs and no one wants to get together in Miami to play basketball anymore. So those coins, the Miami tech run coin then converts into a DAO Lab coin. Um, And then as new DAOs are brought into the umbrella, you still reap the overall benefit of any DAO associated with that sort of umbrella brand, um, while individual ones may come and go. So I think that that um, in particular is why I'm very passionate about that project because it doesn't have to last forever. The overall mission is sort of timeless. but I think that if you, what you're speaking to is like rug pulls, right? Yeah. Where you buy into something and then someone buys all the real estate and then they shut down the discord or something like that. Um, the space is new. So there's really no legislate. there's no precedent. There's no legal precedent for people um, kind of taking governance to task on things like that i mean the blockchain offers the the transparency to make any sort of legal case almost open and shut because there there is a financial record that can't necessarily be obscured but um yeah we definitely don't we don't it's the wild wild west in that sense
0: yeah and so you mentioned afrotech exec which i'm super excited about um we're headed to miami this week what can you expect or what should we expect more from afrotech and the blavity family about nfts blockchain and because we've we've started we've been in the metaverse for a couple of years now with afrotech so talk about you know what the community our community can expect to see from afrotech coming forward
2: i think first and foremost the community can expect to see that we are already in the space we blavity we afrotech but also we black people um are are already in the space we have a featured nft artist coming elise swopes i don't know if you are familiar with her she just did a coinbase commercial she just had um a billboard in times square i mean she's out here as a black nft artist um And so I feel like we need to know the names of the people doing the work in the space. Everyone who touches the stage is someone who has been doing the work in the space for at least the past couple of years. And so while, you know, we're doing these podcasts and we're doing the work to sort of educate people and bring them in, it's also good to couple that with the knowledge that like we are also already here. And you can sort of reach out to people who look like you at any moment and ask them a question, ask for their expertise, lean on their knowledge. Um, So yeah, I think that that's hugely important, just just familiarizing with who is already doing the work. Um, And then beyond that, there are so many aspects of blockchain technologies. I'm happy that there is a panel on DAOs and another panel on DeFi and another panel on NFTs. And then we've got a gallery of our NFT artists and the NFT artists there in person to answer questions if anyone should have, like, so that people sort of understand how all of these technologies, um, come together, how the community comes together, um, I like to say that I'm sort of a grandparent in the crypto space because I've been in it for like four or five years and it's so new that like most people have not been in it for that long. But like when I started trading, you literally had to read a white paper to know like what that coin was even planning to do, like what the value, the intention behind its release. Like when people buy stocks on the stock market, you know, Coca-Cola, you know, Procter & Gamble, you know what they do, you know what you're buying into in 2017. And most of these coins out now were not out in 2017, or they launched in 2017, most of them, Um, you just, there was no trading history. So now people go back on Coinbase or Binance or whatever trading desk that you use, and you just kind of look at the trading history. They don't even know that there's a white paper. They're not concerned with it at all. Um, But all of these spaces used to interconnect way more than they do now. And so all of that to say that I'm excited to like bring that this event will um, capture the interconnectivity of all of these aspects of blockchain technologies.
0: Black Tech, Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech from the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan Debon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Marissa Lewis. A special thank you to Micah Davis, Jermaine Hall, and Sakara Savagnon. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about my guests and other tech disruptors and innovators at afrotech.com. In the video version of this episode, we'll drop to Black Tech Green Money on YouTube next week. So tap in. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love.
1: 20-
4: Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world